Hey, and <laughs> hi, and welcome to hi, and welcome to puberty. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. <laughs> I am. Drug. I, I, no, I'm 14 again. I am Rob Minot, and today I am joined by Ryan Flurry. Hey. And Mr. Steve Barkley. Howdy. And we, uh, here we are. We are, indeed. Here. We are because we are. I can tell because of this microphone in my face. That's right. Uh, how is everybody today? Not bad for a Monday. Yeah, awake, alive, you know, everything required for a Monday. Yeah, it's uh, we don't we don't often record on Mondays, probably for for very good reason for 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 the reason of that you can see in that intro, <laughs> which you're gonna keep. Probably, <laughs> that's, probably. That's why not? Real material right yep, there. Exactly. <clears throat> Um, what's been going on? What's new and exciting, boys? Uh, uh, I think I just received my Google Home Mini. Yeah. Yeah, you better I open that, that box. Yeah, we're, we're dying to know here, man. We'll open it up after the show. We'll do an unboxing show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Such a nerd. <laughs> unboxing gotta, videos. need content. More content. Yes, the, and and the the... Sound of you opening a box is is, is that some? You can describe it. That's some sweet, sweet content. You can oh, describe I am it. looking forward to describing <laughs> you opening a box. He's got the knife. He's knife. slitting the tape. <laughs> Don't need a knife. He's gonna gnaw it open. Got teeth. That's right. <laughs> chew his He's, way into okay, that box. There's yep. one flap. There's the other flap. Oh, <gasps> it's a Google Home Mini. Oh my God! It's a box. And it's got a picture of a Google Home Mini on it's it. Exciting. It's got some shrink wrap on it. Yep. That's when you need the teeth is a, that damn shrink yeah, wrap. Yeah, we actually don't <laughs> need it to be a Google Home Mini. We can we can we just make it up. Yeah, we can just make it up as we go. It's true. Uh you know the packaging that I hate though is that you know like the what uh like headphones come in, you know, like oh, that, that hard really plastic. hard plastic yeah. that you literally need like garden shears to like and then you cut, cut through. You and, cut yourself trying to open it up. Yeah, or you cut through the cable or something. Mm. Yeah, I've done that. It's those crappy. I hate that. I don't know why they continue to do that. Can they not find a better way to package stuff like that? Like they probably could. Yeah, I think they could. I just think they're lazy and they won't. Or it's cheap. Yeah, cheap and lazy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in a mood today. Barely. Let's take on every industry, shall we? That's right. <laughs> well, listen, if I if if you're packaging something and I literally cannot open it without a tool, you failed. It's well packaged. You failed. No, it's not well packaged. <laughs> it's, it's terrible unless unless you build the tool into the packaging that then... I can remove. Because <laughs> what if what if I what if I go to London Drugs, I buy a new set of headphones, and I want to use those headphones on the way home? I'm screwed. I have to now go. I have to go buy another tool. You can ask them to open it for you. 
Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but don't you have teeth? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It's just like now, now all of a sudden I'm a needy. I have to go above and beyond just to service my needs. Let's not talk about your neediness. Uh, hey, Ryan, did you, uh, so did you upgrade to the new, um, the new Windows? I did. Got this computer that we're recording on is upgraded to the Fall Creators Update, and so is my laptop. And how are you finding it so far? Just the same as the last version was. <laughs> Seems to be very stable. Yep. Upgrade went flawlessly. So, yep, no, no issues so far. I was reading uh, Brian Harchin's Twitter feed this morning, yeah. who we've had on the show. And he was saying the only thing that went south with his update was his system access is totally screwed up. So I don't know why that is, because I haven't tried mine yet, but hmm. maybe they just haven't updated it to work with the Fall Creators update yet. Not sure. Could be. But I'll have to check it out. Have you updated yet? I don't believe... Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that, because I do know that my my uh, computer that I have in the living room did restart over the weekend at some point. Well, it shows, up, as, it shows up under Windows Update. It shows up in there. Yeah, I don't even pay attention to any of that. Yeah. I think it did. I, th I think it did. Yeah. Um, so well, if you go to the run command and type in Winver, yep. it'll say 1709. Okay. And that's how you know it's the Fall Creators update. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe I'll go home and take a look at that and, and just make sure. Off the top of your head, is there is there anything in there that is new and shiny that wowed you? Or is it... I really haven't taken any time to dig in and take a look. You know, I've seen a couple people post something where... Anywhere, just about anywhere in Windows you can type, you can actually dictate. So that's something I might play around with a little bit. It seems like they're doing these smarter these days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even from a year, year and a half ago when we first launched and we were, we were lamenting over the forced Windows 10 updates. It, 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 I don't know, these updates don't seem to be as big of a deal now as they used to be in terms of disrupting um, AT software? Well, I think the, one of the big things that they've done was they introduced the insider builds. So you can join a fast ring, a slow ring, or a technical release or a release candidate ring, which is kind of like beta testing software is what it is. But, right. you know, there's hundreds of thousands, if not more, people in each of these different rings that are banging away at the software every day and sending feedback back to Microsoft. So by the time they release it, it should be pretty well vetted. Did you see the uh, release from uh, the press release from Freedom Scientific about Edge? Yeah, don't get me started Wait, on what, what? Edge. No, what's going on? Tell me. Well, Microsoft with this release broke Edge, um, and as a result, uh, JAWS isn't going to work properly with it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. There's, there's chunks of it that are working with it. You actually have to manually go into JAWS settings and enable Edge support. But Edge has been out for two years now. You know, And I just don't understand why everybody's focusing so much energy on Edge when most of us have already switched over to Chrome. You know, I guess it's going to be another option for people who want the Edge experience because from everything I can tell... You know, I don't see a lot of energy being put into Internet Explorer. Um, it seems to be getting laggier. You know, Firefox seems to be laggier. Um, I'm just not sure why it's taken so long to get Edge support in there when they all say they're working closely with Microsoft. 
Yeah, it is a little strange that it's been such a bear for people, but, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going on in the background of that browser that we don't know about, right? Mm. Hmm. Yeah, but, but of course you're going to support it because it's the default browser. Until you go in and change it. Yeah, well, yeah. they're determined. <laughs> they are determined with that edge. Uh, I don't know how many times, you know, you go, you open Chrome, and all of a sudden you get this pop-up from your taskbar saying, hey, you know, Edge is a much better browser. Well, as soon as I did my Paul Creators updates, the first thing that came up was Microsoft Edge. And I first thing I did was close that window. You know? <laughs> That's right. So why do they, they keep doing that? They really they I don't know. I don't know. That's their browser of the future. I yeah, I know, but you really, you know, have they not learned that trying to force stuff down people's throats <laughs> through their operating system just does not does not make anything better and it doesn't work. It didn't work with IE. No, they got sued over IE, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't work. You know, people get annoyed when, you know, they, they open up their new version of Windows and they have a bunch of, you know, suggestions for mm-hmm. apps to download. That is the one thing that, that does really annoy the crap out of me about Microsoft. <laughs> Sorry, Microsoft. First world problems. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Ah, uh, hey Ryan. Rob. So, what are we doing today? Today we are talking with Dave Wilkinson from Hims. Oh, interesting. Hims. So, you could tell the fine people what Hims is. Hims is a, I guess they're a manufacturer and also a dealer of assistive technology products for people who are blind and visually impaired. Now, a lot of their stuff uh, is Braille related. Am I am I correct in that? They do have a whole bunch of Braille stuff. Yeah. yeah. But they've also got a uh, full line of uh, CCTVs. Oh, do they? Yeah, both handheld and desktop. Oh, no kidding. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Huh. Tell now, the Daisy they... players. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, they've got the Daisy book players as well. Well, so that yeah. covers a lot of ground. It yeah. does. Yep. Yeah. Wow. But I th- but are they are they best known for their Braille stuff? Cause, cause what, so what products, what Braille-related products do they carry? Uh, they have the uh, Braille Edge Braille display, uh, 40 character Braille display. They've got the Smart Beetle, which is a, how big is the Smart Beetle, Ryan? Is that 14 cell? Yes, I think so. Uh, they're, they're, that's their portable Braille display. And then they've had the uh, Braille Sense uh, note taker line. Uh, latest to join that is the Polaris, which is a... Uh, um, Android-based uh, Braille note taker, so it joins oh. the HumanWare uh, Braille note touch as uh, the only two. Uh, oh, well, there may be more than two now, uh, but those would be the big two, all integrated um, uh, note takers. And uh, yeah, aside from that, uh, am I missing anything, Ryan? For Braille? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so their Braille, their earlier Braille Sense uh, products were quite quite popular. Uh, they were the competition to the uh, Braille Note Apex from uh, from Humanware. Um, they they did all right. They were pretty. Uh, they were pretty. They were they were just beautiful design, just really nice design products. So Hims is actually based in uh, South Korea. So all of their products get designed and manufactured over there. For now. <laughs> for the time being 
<laughs> Unless a nuclear apocalypse happens. Oh, God, yeah. Can you imagine Can you imagine living in South Korea right now with all this going on? I would be, yeah. I just Every day, your just pants would be filled. Oh, Lord. Every time you heard a loud noise, you'd be like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Yeah. Every time Trump tweets, you probably have national alarms going off. That's right. Hmm. <clears throat> Blink. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> They're not called tweets. They're called sphincter checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be terrible. There he is. Hey, look. Oh, look at that. Somebody is calling us. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hi, how's it going? Things are going well. Glad you could join us. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's start out with uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, just how you got involved with hymns in the first place. Sure. I'm I'm Dave Wilkinson. I'm the national education manager for hymns, and we national in this case goes across borders. It's I guess it should be North American education manager, whatever. Um, but. I, uh, my job is basically to go throughout the U.S. and Canada and do HIMSS presentations, whether on the Polaris or other HIMSS products. Uh, and work, I primarily work with students and teachers, but I also do workshops for rehab agencies. I've done some work with uh, CNIB, and I did a workshop for SETHBC and for BCAT uh, sometime back, and we're scheduled to come back there sometime early next year. So... You know, I'm, I'm pretty much on the road a lot of the time. Uh, it's sort of a have cane, will travel type deal. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got involved with HIMSS uh, a little over four years ago. I was working for a an, an, a, an AT distributor in the Midwest, uh, U, uh, Midwestern part of the U.S. My wife had taken a job with the American Printing House in Louisville, Kentucky, and told me one day that we were moving. And so <laughs> they uh, want to do. At, yes. So it became sort of necessary for me to figure out what I was going to do next to, uh, to remain gain, gainfully somewhat useful. And I had started using HIMS products with the company that I was working for and had just sold competitive products in my, some of my, products that I was using that were made by a competitor to purchase HIMSS products. I decided I would try to parlay that into a job. And I called HIMSS and explained to them that they needed me and listed off the reasons why they needed me. And it was relatively persuasive because they hired me. Nice. So that in 20 minutes or less is sort of how we ended up here at HIMSS. Wow. You must be a silvery tongue devil. <laughs> Either that or it was easier just to say whatever. Um, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the people at hand. <laughs> Which distributor did you uh, work for in the Midwest? I, I was working for Nanopack. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and I'm still, and I'm still great friends with the folks at Nanopack. Uh, they, I had worked there for a couple of years and they, they were fabulous folks to work for, but they didn't do any work in Kentucky. Um, so uh, this is probably a stupid question, but uh, it's a podcast, so uh, and we we haven't mentioned it before. But so you are visually impaired as well? Yes. Yeah. I'm 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 totally blind. I, I I have actually a tiny bit of light perception, but for all intents and purposes, I'm totally blind. So was so and you 
you sort of have been a, a lifelong user of Hims products, or like what 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 had been your exposure to to Hims products before you started working for them? I uh, years ago I worked for Humanware. I was a user of Humanware products for a long time. When I was working for Humanware, my wife bought a Hims product uh, in an astounding show of loyalty, and. <laughs> When I was working for Nanopack, I was still primarily a Brailnote Apex user at that point. Mm-hmm. Nanopack sold both the Humanware and Hems products, and so I got exposure to Hems products through Nanopack and through my wife having a Braille Sense. I sort of fell in love with the way that the Braille Sense operated. I found that at that point it could do things that I wasn't able to do with my Apex, and so right before the moved to Kentucky, I'd sold my Apex to buy a, a BrailleSense U2. And so I'd sort of switched over at that point. And uh, so when I called Hims, it was more along the lines of sort of a convert as far as this is why you really need me. I just came over from the other side. <laughs> Smart, I see. <laughs> right? So I, I, I still keep up with uh, a lot of competitors' products. It's part of what I try to do to stay current and so that i can you know be able to answer things moderately intelligently as far as how things can uh, compare to each other um but it's, it's one of the neat things that i get to do in my position with hims is i get to play with a lot of competitive products which is always fun and you know there there's nothing more healthy to an industry too and, and to a technology than competition i, I mean absolutely no, you know, no, no competition. Otherwise, you get bored and you sit on your laurels. Innovation really always comes through competition. I mean, that that's where it people does. innovate. It absolutely does. So, so, so Dave Wilkinson is really kind of the uh, Kylo Ren of the adaptive technology. <laughs> moved over to the dark I side. I like it. I like so, it. so let's let's uh, let's give you something to stab your lightsaber into here. Tell us about the uh, Polaris. The BrailleSense Polaris was released by HIMSS right at the, what was it, the end of June? Uh, so it was just a, a few months ago. It is an Android-based, uh, we're still using the term note-taker. I like, I like to think of it more as a Braille tablet. Mm-hmm. It's running Android Lollipop with plans to update the operating system in the future. We are the first Google-certified device that doesn't have a screen. We are extremely proud of that. Uh we didn't find it necessary to have a blind person carry around a tablet that is mainly a sightling accommodation. By getting rid of the tablet, we can knock off over a pound of weight. We can extend your battery life. There's less to fix. We can give you user-replaceable battery. And we frankly don't need it. If you want a screen, it's easy enough to connect to another device, an iPhone or a computer or an Android device using something like TeamViewer. Uh, so we... we, we we just didn't see the necessity of forcing a blind person to carry around a screen that they weren't going to be using a lot of the time anyway. So we're very proud of the fact that we're the first Google certified device ever. And, and at this point only that, that doesn't have a screen on board. The BrailleSense Polaris weighs about 1.6 pounds. So it'd be a little less than a kilogram. Right. Uh, um, it's my attempt to sort of show that I'm international and that I speak Canadian. <laughs> no, okay. um, <laughs> way, to, way to go. Way to go. I was impressed. <laughs> so, you know, I, I used to be able to do that with a Blaze when I, when I would call it the Blaze EZ. Um, yeah. So, you know, 
but uh, <laughs> so but so we're you know we're, we're we're some of the hardware specs that we have on board. Uh, we have a 2.1 gigahertz octa-core processor. We have three gigabytes of onboard RAM, uh, 64 gigs of onboard flash. Uh, we do have Bluetooth NFC. We have Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, NFC. Uh, we do have an infrared port, so you could try to use this as a remote control for devices in your house. I have a video of me trying to fly a, a little remote control helicopter with a Polaris. Uh, <laughs> it didn't go very well, but that wasn't Polaris' <laughs> fault. More human error. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it has your, you know, it supports your apps from the Google Play Store, uh, you know, Docs, Sheets, Slides, Drive, and then, you know, anything that you're choosing to download. Um, when you, obviously, when you download apps from the Play Store, just like when you're downloading from, you know, using any screen reader, you're going to have some apps that are wildly accessible and some that are wildly inaccessible. Right. Uh, that's sort of the nature of the... Uh, the, the nature of the varmint that we're dealing with. One of the things that we try to do to limit that is we do have our traditional Braille Sense applications. For anyone who's used a Braille Sense before, they would notice that you know a lot of things work virtually identically. You you know we still have our file manager. Word processor W email E. You know it's just our typical menu that we've had before. Right. Media M. Organizer, o. Until you come down to something like the Google Play Store. All app, Play Store, P. And then when I hit enter on the Play Store or all apps. All apps. Oh. That's when I'm jumping off into sort of the Android world. And I think I, I, I think it, this shows my age, but there was a, I, I guess they still do it on the prices, right? Where the little guy was right on the edge of the cliff. And if you guess the price wrong, you got shoved over. <laughs> and that's how I sort of think about jumping out into Android one. Once I hit enter on all apps, you're, you've gone over that cliff and I can't protect you anymore. <laughs> and you may have a fabulous experience or you may download Angry Birds and have a very unhappy experience. <laughs> was, was the decision to, to not include a screen something that uh, was, was it feedback that you got from the community or was it just it was a, a, an internal decision? I think it's a combination of both. We... We did one of the things that I'm that I'm really proud of in working for Hems is that we have an extremely strong blind staff, uh, whether it's me or, or or Damian Pickering, who is our vice president of sales and marketing. We have a couple of other blind uh, sales reps out in the field who are strong Braille users. We have Jenny Axler, who works in the who, who's a, a blind American working in our our home office in Korea. We have an, an, an extra, what I view as an extraordinarily strong core of, of blind users. And internally, and then both from feedback that we got externally, we just didn't see the necessity of having a tablet on board and making someone flip the keyboard back and forth. Uh, you know, we, we do have a touch strip so that you can do gestures uh, uh, on the Polaris, that so you can do swipe gestures and tap gestures. And we were able to take advantage of the fact that without a tablet, you're knocking some weight off, you're, you're extending your battery life. Um, we weren't looking forward to all the cracked screens that we figured were probably going to come back in. Uh, so there just didn't see a whole, there wasn't a whole lot of, of advantage to it. And with talking to blind users in the field, that was backed up. So I think it probably started out as an internal decision and was in, uh, 
verified or, or got a lot of validity from, from the blind community uh, as a whole. And what, why was the choice made to go with Android Lollipop? Lollipop was, at the time, it's always a tough decision to decide what you're going to be using. And when we started developing this, Marshmallow was re relatively new. The accessibility fe features of Marshmallow weren't as, I, I, I guess, first of all, to, to back up with that, there are probably a number of internal decisions and internal thoughts that I'm not familiar with. Right. Um, when this was being developed, Lollipop was well-known, well-tested. Uh, it was the, the, the decision was made to go with Lollipop and to upgrade the operating system in the future once we had more of an idea of where accessibility features were going to go with Android. And then once you make that choice, it's sort of locked down and you can't double back and change it later on. You know, at that point, you're, you're committed to it until after you've released the device, and then you can go back, it, which we will, and update the operating system in the future. Is there a uh, camera on the unit? There is a camera on the unit. There's a 13 megapixel camera underneath. I'm taking mine out of the case so that I can, uh, so if you hear it jabbering, it's because I'm hitting keys as I pull it out. It's right to the right of the right rear rubber foot. Sounds like the name say, of an awful that, band. Say that four times. <laughs> we are, we are right rear rubber foot. Um, <laughs> Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> we'll turn it up to eleven. Um, anyway, we're all showing our age. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yep. So there is a thirteen megapixel camera. We could be doing a Skype video call, except that it wouldn't benefit any of us. Um, you know, you can use scan and read apps on here, such as uh, KNFB Reader and you know, a tap, tap, see, now that you've got an Android version of that. I, I must say that I'm not personally wild about the idea of holding a, a several thousand dollar device a foot above a document to have it read the document back to me. Mm. I would rather hold something substantially cheaper above that document in case it gets dropped. Right. But the camera is there if you choose to utilize it for, for scanning and reading documents. Cool. And with 13 megapixels, you should be able to do what, like, practically a whole newspaper at once absolutely yeah yeah so does in in general and this might be a hard question to answer but with with the lack of a screen is that is that make the the unit more resilient i don't know if it makes the unit more resilient we certainly expect for it to there are going to be less pieces and parts that right. can actually go wrong it's always tough when you have a new device to talk about resilience because you don't have enough data to base anything off of yet. Yeah, fair that's enough. a question that I'd be more that I would probably be able to answer with with more candor a year from now, once we have data to actually base it on. One thing that I will tell you is that on our keyboard, and this is a now I feel like I've, I've drifted into sort of how politicians do thing where they answer the question that they wanted you to ask instead of the one <laughs> you actually pivot, asked. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But we, we do have an alternate control key so that you can take advantage of things like shortcuts within Google applications, um, like control N for a new file when you're in Google Drive, um, so that we, instead of having you use sort of esoteric keyboard commands, we added an alternate control key so that you can use those uh, keyboard commands that are built in for, for Chromebooks anyway. So, but ask me a year from now about resilience, and, and I should be able to have a, a, a better answer. We'll, for you. we'll take you up on that. Yeah, I'm putting it on the calendar. <laughs> All right. Yeah, me, me too. And by the way, that calendar would be a Braille Sense native app that would also be synchronizable with your Google Calendar. 
How was that for an excellent way of working that in? <laughs> That's perfect. Nice. Nice, nice plug. <laughs> now, Dave, do you guys have any way of syncing notes or documents or any other file format to like an Android phone or an iPhone without like tethering? At the moment, we can synchronize your schedule. We can synchronize, we're, we're synchronizing your contact, your schedule, and we're synchronizing uh, email, but we are not synchronizing documents. That is certainly something that we can look at in the future, but you got to start somewhere. Yep. We do have access to, you know, obviously you can put documents into the cloud and you can download documents from the cloud or you could use them directly in the cloud just using Google Docs. Right. Um, but we're not using we're but we're not doing any synchronization beyond that. But remember the product is young. Yep. So who knows where it'll go. And and is is it your feeling that really, you know, with with cloud based services and documents really, you know, just becoming more and more and more prevalent and, and popular, you, you know, do you see the day where you're not even really gonna need to include a sync feature? Or is that it's day certainly already here? conceivable. I've, I've been in this business way too long to try to figure out where things are going to go <laughs> more than about six minutes from now. Um, <laughs> by the way, I could use the stopwatch and countdown timer on the Polaris <laughs> to look at those six minutes. <laughs> uh, so this, I don't it know. is so, no wonder Hims hired you, uh, incidentally, <laughs> sir. This, you, are, you are an artist. <laughs> on point. <laughs> right rear rubber foot um but so i you know i I don't know obviously with a lot of when you're working in the cloud at this point there's still somewhat of a delay when you're writing in contracted braille and you're having braille forward and back translated and sent back and forth so there's still a use for internal storage simply Mm. for the speed of it at this point as that is that it gets better in the future who knows where it'll go and do you have access to the Google Assistant on the device? I do have access to uh, by the Google Assistant. You mean being able just to speak to it and ask Google, like for, with, with saying, okay, Google, and that right. type of stuff? Yeah. Yes. File manager. So we could say, okay, Google, what is the temperature in Vancouver? It's 54 degrees in Vancouver right now. There we go. I can also use the Google Assistant for doing things like opening up my word processor or opening up a specific app on the, the Polaris. Obviously, I could give it a you know a particular Google search if I wanted to find out who the you know who the sixth prime minister of Canada was. It would go into Google and it would give me results from that search. Right. Well, we've talked about Polaris. Is there anything else you want to cover on the Polaris, Dave? I you know I could probably talk about the Polaris all day, uh, considering that it's it's part of what I'm doing at this point. But I guess in closing, all I would really say on the Polaris is that if you've used the Braille since before. It is extraordinarily similar. The name Polaris itself comes from the Polaris Office Suite, which is a few hundred million uh, Android phones. Yep. Being able to use things like, uh, and so when you go into our word processor, it feels like our old word processor, but you're actually in Polaris Word. That gives us an infinite amount of possibilities for things that we're going to be able to do in the future. It sounds sort of trite to say, but it's true that this is a, a new product. There's a, a of course, an awful lot that you can do with it uh, by having access to Google, your Google services, but we are just starting to scratch the surface. And so, over the next several months to a year, you're going to be 
you're going to see us taking advantage of a lot of the things that are available through being able to use the, the Polaris Office Suite. And the reason we use the Polaris Office Suite is that the folks who make the Polaris Office Suite happen to own Hims, so it was a really good fit. Interesting. Aha. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Sucking up to the circle. corporate overlords. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> and, and proud of it. Good plan. It always works out. So for those people who don't know what products Hims carries, what else do you guys have? Hims has a line of blindness and low vision products. On the blindness side, we have digital book readers. We have our Blaze ET and EZ which are digital book readers that have a camera in the back, so you can also do optical character recognition. We have Braille displays. We have a 14-cell Braille display called the Smart Beetle, and we have a 40-cell Braille display that's called the Braille Edge. The Braille Edge also has some note-taking capabilities. It writes directly to an SD card so that you can use a notepad. It's sort of like a, a, literally a sort of a scratch pad, so that if you were wanting to take notes in a class or in an office environment, and write directly to an SD card and not have to have a computer in front of you, you could do that. And we were one of the earliest. I, would, I always used to say the earliest to do it, but somebody probably beat us, so we'll say one of our <laughs> one of the earliest. We were the, the earliest significant manufacturer to do that. How's that? Uh, and now you're starting to see us copied with uh, other major Braille displays. So we, we, you know, that's when you jump on board and say we were a trendsetter. Right. Um, our all of our all of our braille devices have a one-handed mode that work in and out of uh, whether it's in a note taker mode or whether you're using it as a screen as a braille display with a screen reader. So that if you're using our our braille sense Polaris or our earlier braille sense models, uh, the U2, the U2 on hand. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the U2 on hand, the non-existent product, the U2 Mini, or the braille sense on hand, or our smart beetle you know or whatever whether you're using these as, well the smart beetle wouldn't work as a note taker but if you're using our note takers as braille displays the one-handed mode carries over so we're very proud of the fact that that's something that we that we've made an accommodation for on our low vision side we have a number of products we have the ebot the ebot was the first and only video magnifier to connect to an ipad so that it can show the image from your near a distance view camera onto an iPad. With the eBot Pro, you can even control the, the, the camera from the iPad just by drawing, dragging your finger across the screen. We have our GoVision, which is a transportable video magnifier that's a near and distance camera that can also load files off of a USB drive. So that if you wanted to load something like a Word file and there wasn't an old school hard copy print version of that file. You could load it right from your SD card or not, right from your USB drive. We also have handheld video magnifiers. We have our candy line of video magnifiers. We have a four inch and a five inch uh, version of the candy video magnifier. And we still have to go really old school, a, uh, I guess, I don't know what we call them now, CCTVs, um, mm -hmm. which just became sort of, the, you know, you know what I'm talking about, though, the old yeah. guys with the camera underneath for the video uh, magnifiers called the lifestyle. Yeah, I guess just, yeah, just straight up video magnifiers uh, called the lifestyle. So we have a complete, a uh, pretty complete line of video magnifiers and blindness devices. And I'm going to, to uh, I, I'm going to be in, what, 
Toronto in November and then Vancouver early next year. Oh. So if you happen to live in either of those cities, uh, look me up. Well, I'll come out and do a whole product demo for you. Well, we're in Vancouver. We'll, we'll have you into the uh, the Guitar Dungeon, which is our studio <laughs> that we uh, record out of, and we can have you live on the show, and we'll... Ryan will feed you tequila. It'll be great. <laughs> That'll be awesome. That'll be fantastic. Or hemstastic, as we like to say. <laughs> we yeah, the plan will be we'll get you drunk on tequila and then try to try to get all the all the industry secrets that we always That's try to right. get out of the manufacturers. Yeah. Excellent. And fail utterly. Excellent. And we to, fail I'll, utterly. Yes. I'll I'll just I'll have to remember to not listen to not that I listen in staff meetings anyway, but if I <laughs> perchance did, I would That's stop right. a few months before coming there. And we'll take That's care right. of that. Do you guys find that it's is it tricky keeping up with the technology? In terms I of think like when any you're assist- sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Because um, I'm interested to see where this is going to go. Well, yeah. I'm I'm just thinking in terms of you know when you're when you're in the development process. I mean, it must be because, you know, we've had tablets, we've had smartphones, and they're always, they're always evolving so fast. Is that a challenge when you're, when you're looking at trying to develop new products or integrating that technology into existing products? It's absolutely a challenge. But one of the first things that you have to remember is why are we developing this to begin with? Uh, and the reason that we're all still developing these things, you know, people predicted the death of the note taker years ago and it, and then it yeah. never happened. There is still a, there, there's a very strong market of, and, and why not? You know, as, as a blind person, I like to know that things have been made specifically for me. And if I can have a word processor, an email program, a browser, et cetera, that were made with me in mind that I know is accessible today, that'll be accessible tomorrow. I want that. But at the same time, Time, I want the ability to be able to download programs that my friends are using or that my colleagues are using and have access to those as well. And the reason I point a lot of this out is that you, when you're first developing this stuff, you want to make sure that you don't lose anyone that you had in the past and that you expand the realm of possibilities for the customer base that you had in the past so that you can attract more people in the future. The other trick to all of this is that you have to immediately plan for obsolescence. If you buy a phone, the you know Apple or the folks at Google or whoever figure you're going to ditch that phone in a year or two, and the hardware is going to be obsolete anyway, and who cares? These devices are several thousand dollars, so we need to have the absolute best hardware that we can have now so that as hardware then hopefully catches up to us or you know, as, as we become more of the mainstream of what you have in your hardware or as hardware passes us by in the years to come, we can still support the product. We can still have it connect with other devices. And so that you haven't bought something that has then drifted into the realm of obsolescence. So there are a lot of balancing acts that go on there. But the biggest thing, you know, if you want the absolute latest and greatest in technology, you're never going going to be looking towards the assistive technology world. You're going to be buying a Nexus or you're going to be buying an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 10 or whatever, and you're going to be using our Braille displays to, to then interact with it or our Polaris or our Braille Sync U2s in, in, in Braille display mode to interact with that phone. But when you're wanting blindness-specific programs that you know are going to be infinitely accessible, that are going to be super easy to use, that aren't going to make you think, now where do I tap or click or touch here to make this happen? 
then that's where we can step in and that's where the note taker still has a lot of power and a lot of uh, a lot of possibility inside of the, inside of blind world. Well, and do you think that a, a little bit of that is also the fact that uh, note takers have been around for so long that, you know, the community is is really comfortable with the concept of a note taker much more than they're comfortable with the concept of buying something in the mainstream and then sort of tacking on some sort of uh, Braille component that could sort of work in the same way? I think there are two questions in there. Yes, there's certainly a comfort level, especially with people that are my age, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or people who aren't teenagers, you know, who, who grew up with the idea of, of note takers. But the second part of that question is the beauty of a note taker is that I can reduce in a lot of situations the, the number of pieces of technology that I'm using to one. Whereas if I use any other device where I'm adding a Braille display to it, I can only reduce those down to two. Right. So, you know, if I could get down to that one device where I can use the Google Assistant, where I can download something from the Play Store, where I can read a book, uh, you know, where I can browse on the net and I don't have to pull out that second device, then from a sheer efficiency standpoint, one device is you know, it's, it's easier just to carry one and it's easier just to use that one and not have to worry about, you know, tethering the other two together through cables or Bluetooth or however they're going to be hooked together. And I think there's a certain huge comfort level in knowing that I've just got one device that I'm having to use at the moment. Do you find yourself, do you ever get frustrated with the, the sort of the, the Braille technology? And, and we've sort of talked about this before on the show where we kind of have sat around you know, armchair in our armchair development and just been like, you know, the, the, the company that comes along and figures out a way to do Braille uh, cheaper that can offer up uh, a, a working Braille unit that isn't so expensive is really just going to revolutionize the market. What's your take on that? Oh, I think that's absolutely the case. I think there's a lot involved in making a cheaper Braille display, we would all, you know, it's, it's sort of the holy grail. Um, for the beginning part of your question, if I'm not frustrated and if I'm not irritated and disappointed about things that my stuff can't do, then I'm not doing my job. You need to always be, you know, you, you, you need to be hungry and grasping towards the future and thinking, what can we do to tomorrow that we couldn't do today? So, yes, I stay irritated and frustrated most of the time. Right. Um, and, I, and I think any I think that's probably the case with a lot of geeky people. Uh, the other part of this is that you're aware when you're working on product development of the compromises that had to be made. And unless you, you know, which means that I can remember all the things that I wanted that may happen later or were compromised out or whatever. And that's all, you know, so, so you remember those things, or at least I do. Um, and so I'm, 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 I'm never satisfied, uh, nor do I intend to ever be satisfied. Um, and and yet I'm happy. It's a strange paradox. Uh, yeah, and it, well, and it must be a, a real process when you're developing the, the device because you got to really, you, you know, you kind of got to weigh each element. You got to go, well, this is really cool and this is something that we need, but it's going to increase the cost of the unit by this much because we have to manufacture that. 
And so it must be a real balancing act of what to include and what not to include because, and, and is, so is price point always sort of at the back of your minds when you guys are developing these things? I think there are a number of things that they're at the, at the back of our minds and that are, and this is probably the same with us and anyone else price point figures in the amount of development hours. Can they get whatever this feature is elsewhere? Um, is it necessary if they can get it elsewhere to include it here? How many more units will I sell if I have it? Right. All of these things come into play. A really good example of this, we have the ability to input math, whether it's Nimitz or UEB math, and have it instantly show up on a visual display, whether it's a projector or an iPad through TeamViewer or you know a monitor or whatever, to have it instantly show up correctly as spatial math so that you're writing right in the word processor. That's something mm -hmm. that's imperative to have from an educational standpoint and that someone can't get somewhere else. Right. Therefore, whatever we have to do to make that happen, we did. Um, you know, whereas if, if I'm trying to develop my own GPS app, well, there are plenty of GPS apps that are already accessible, so maybe I won't go down that road. Right. You know, the, the, the one that I have on here is Nearby Explorer because it'll let me download my maps and I don't have to have a hotspot. So we'll skip the man hours necessary for that. So I don't know if that helps to clarify things. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I guess my question, Dave, is, you know, let's, let's take a product like the Orbit Reader, which everybody's still waiting to get their hands on. Sure. You know, literacy rates among people who are blind are really, really low. Yes, they are. And the price of Braille displays is really, really high. Yes, it is. Have these manufacturers, including HIMS, taken a step back and said, instead of looking at adding features, why don't we reduce the amount of features and just put out a Braille display that works? That's a hard question to answer. And the Orbit Reader does some neat things, but it also leaves off some really neat key features, like it doesn't have cursor routing, it's, it's a very noisy display, it's a very slow display, etc. I don't think, and, and I have, I, I, I live right down the street from APH, I have good friends at APH, uh, and so I don't, I don't say this in a disparaging way, but I'm not sure if the Orbit Reader has filled all of the necessities for what we need for a low-cost Braille display. With that being said, I think any manufacturer who hasn't stepped back to figure out, you know, what do we need on both a low end and a high end, mm -hmm. uh, hasn't done their job. And so I think, you know, there, there, there's an awful lot of what is it that people are looking for in the market and how are we going? You, you want your product to fill gaps such as the math bit that you can't get anywhere else um you want your device to be as quiet as possible you want it to be as fast as possible so that your blind compatriots can keep up with their 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 sighted peers and so i i think things like noise level and a braille display and speed are are important but yes certainly i think all manufacturers are looking at how can we bring costs down as much as possible well and i think you know a four or five hundred dollar braille display expectations aren't as high as they are when you're spending you know three or four thousand dollars on a braille display so for somebody like myself who lost their sight later in life 
you know, four or $500 for an Orbit Braille reader just to put Braille into my hands again is totally worth the sure. money. I don't care how noisy it is. I don't need the math. I don't need all these other things. I just need Braille. Right. And I think you're, I think there's going to be, and this is getting into the realm of prediction where I'm invariably wrong, but I think there's going to be some sort of, the, the Orbit Reader, I, I hope, does an awful lot for Braille literacy. I think some of your more high-end devices are still going to be used on more of a professional level or sure. schools, et cetera. Yeah. But if the Orbit Reader can raise literacy rates, that's what it was designed to do, and I hope it does it. Right. Totally agree. Yep, me too. Uh, well then, I feel you know, more, I feel pressured to agree as well. <laughs> peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure. That's right. You know, it's going to be like everything else. You can get a Chromebook, or you can get a you know an XPS a, 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 um, fifteen or whatever. Right. You know, there, right. there are different levels that are involved, and it's going to depend on what you want or need it for. Right. Well, you know, we threw some tough questions on it. Sorry, mm -hmm. Ryan, were you, were you... Well, I was just going to ask if you guys have actually taken apart an orbit and see what they're made of, because I've actually never seen one yet. They're 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 not shipping yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's... And, uh, well, I, you know what, we won't get into that's it. That's another, we, another I don't, show. I don't, I don't want to get David <laughs> in any trouble. I don't, I don't want that's to right. speculate yeah. on anything, but I'm just saying it's taking a really long time. Yes. for them to get that out so i don't yes, know what indeed. that what that's about but anything you want to share with us anything new new and upcoming anything new with the daisy players i don't have an awful lot that i can offer that's new for the daisy players other than we are testing some firmware that will fix some cnib issues that we had with our our blazes which should be uh released soon we do have some new products that we're very excited about Ooh, that tell us, tell I would us. have to I would have to come over the wall and stay in Canada uh, <laughs> and uh, if I went any further on that Fair so enough. I'm going to, so but we do have some very exciting things coming in the future our distributor in Canada is Frontier Computing so feel free to get in touch with the folks from Frontier if you would like to have demonstrations of Tim's products you can also call HIMSS directly at 888-520-4467. If anyone wants to email me directly, you can email me at Dave, D-A-V-E, at H-I-M-S-I-N-C.com. And I will be happy to answer your questions. And if I don't know the answers, I will try to send a reasonably creative answer that made it up. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And so is the Polaris available now? The Polaris is available now. It started shipping, I think it was June 30th. We said we were going to ship before July 1, and I think we sneaked it right out the door <laughs> sometime close to midnight Hawaii time. Well done. <laughs> On time and under budget. I think we at least four minutes to spare. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Dave. Well, thanks so much for joining us and, and chatting with us for a little bit tonight. Well, thank you very much. I really, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity. It's always fun to get to, to be on programs like this and to get to talk with, with, with folks like you guys. So thank you very much. Well, Sounds good. And stay in touch. Let us know when you're coming up again. I think Steve's added to his calendar, so we'll, we'll have to join you for lunch or dinner or something. Excellent. We'll do it. Okay, Dave. Sounds like a plan. Take care, sir. All right. Well, well, <laughs> well did you guys get your questions answered? Yeah, I think so. You feel pretty good about that? This sounds like a pretty neat little device. I will have one in my hands tomorrow. Will you? Yep. I'm curious to see how much smaller it actually is than the Braille Note Touch. Yeah, me too. I'm curious. Uh, curious. Probably 
half the depth from, from front to back. You would think so, no screen. right? Yeah. It's got a touch strip on it, so it's going to be kind of wide enough for you to do gestures on. I don't know. I don't know how but, I feel about not having a screen. Like, what's your guys' take on that? Well, he's true. If it gets dropped, you're going to have a lot of cracked screens. Yeah, but but it seems to me, with, with, especially with a note taker, a braille note taker, if you drop it, uh, you're probably going to have a lot more issues than a cracked screen. I mean, you're probably going to have yeah, bigger issues anyway. Yeah, 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 potentially. But it is, it is, you know, one potential other area of vulnerability. I, I right? suppose, yeah. but I mean, just from a usability standpoint, because isn't like it seems to me that the the whole point of the the touch screen or sorry, well, to have to have the screen like say on the braille note touch is that it's you know say in an education setting the teacher can look over the look over the student's shoulder and see what's going on as well as the user yep. using braille so it's a bit of an interactive yeah you know, or with the polaris you know the teacher could be up front with an ipad and android device and have team viewer on it and still monitor what the student students working on oh, okay all right fair enough remotely. that's true that's true Hmm. Interesting. What were you going to say, Steve? Well, uh, that uh, I was just uh, in follow up to what you said. Um, that's assuming that they let you on the Wi-Fi, right? You know, one of the big problems that we have in schools around here is they don't want to let they lock the kids connect any kind of device to the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right. So um, that would be a problem for something like like TeamViewer, but you you can plug a monitor into it if you want to as well. Right. So. But I wonder it, if you in, could use some sort of Bluetooth display device, if there's such a thing. I don't know. I don't know. The other thing I'd be curious oh, about... You could uh, you could probably mirror cast. Oh, that's true. Maybe yeah. Chromecast. Yeah, you could Chromecast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that'd still have to be on the Wi-Fi. Oh, that's right. That's Wi-Fi, too. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other thing I'd be curious to know is if that drop the price point of the or, or if they had to add some other technology to sort of stand in for the screen like, can you pull up the website there Steve I suppose it could Google alright All right, well, what U- about the yeah, US, let's the US let's check the US let's go straight to the manufacturer Forty nine ninety five is my guess which is comparable to what uh, the, could the, well, what's the brown note touch the brown note touch is 6 Oh really? So you figured a good two grand under? Wait, That's six American? Yeah. Really? I think it's like fifty nine ninety five. These guys, they need to bring the price of these things down. That's why, you know, yeah, I just don't understand. Like, yes, in education, you need math support and you need all this other now stuff. Yeah, you you weren't too far off. Fifty four ninety five. All right. So the Braille Sense Polaris is currently fifty four ninety five. Looks like it's been reduced from fifty seven ninety five. So how does that compare to the U.S. price for the Braille Note Touch? Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. That's why they dropped is the price. Is it fifty four ninety five? Yep. Yeah. So the price matched. <laughs> yeah. So the Braille Note Touch is fifty four ninety five <laughs> as well. So interesting. Hmm. Well, what do we make of that? Well, we make. I make of that that they look at each other's websites and try to be competitive. <laughs> well, no, I know, but but so it really. Really, then, it's actually more expensive to manufacture the Polaris without a screen than it is. Well, but they might have thrown their money into other places, right? Sure. Um, you know, like they've they I believe have a better processor than the Braille Note Touch has. Okay. I think they've got more RAM too. 
Yeah, not the real touch. Not really sure. I haven't. I don't remember. I haven't done a side by side of the of the two of them, but uh, maybe we need to. We need to do a comparison chart. Maybe, maybe we should. That's interesting, though. It's yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Um, and so now the the Braille Note Touch and the Polaris are the only two Google certified. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, what's okay? So what's the relevancy of that? Like, what's so there are others that are not Google certified out there. I believe there's one or two others that are out there that aren't certified by Google. That are just which basically of... means you can actually use all the Play Store apps, all the Google okay. services on your device. So it's gone through a certification process. Right. Whereas anybody, because Android is open, any, anybody can throw Android on their device, but you just can't, I think, include the Google services. I see. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But still, man, that's a lot of money. Yep. That's a lot of money. Well, and you think about it, education budgets are shrinking all the time. That's why they're jumping on Chromebooks, iPads. You know, who, who can afford $5,000? Well, you know, and it, it you know, he's, it, it's true. Like, it, the, the important thing is for the industry to have options. You need to yeah. have low-end stuff and you need to have high-end stuff. And because the people who are going to be able to afford the, you know, the shiny new um, technology, they're, they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. because they can afford it but when you're dealing with something like uh braille and you're you know you're trying to combat the fact that braille literacy is at an all-time low mm-hmm. there has to be some low-end options there for people that are you know at least you know somewhat in 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 this century yeah yeah and you just don't see you know manufacturers putting any energies there but it, but is could it be that they're just they're, the technology just isn't there yet? I mean, it's just electronic braille is expensive, and that's just and and stop right. I think, you know, it would be really interesting if you took out all the bells and whistles on any of these note takers. You take out the word processor, you take out the Daisy player, you take out the MP3 player, you take out the spreadsheet viewer, take out everything except braille translation, braille input, braille output. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't then know. Then you've got an orbit reader for 600 bucks. <laughs> well, maybe, but I don't but you know. Think but about how emerging useful markets. is that going to be? To think somebody. about India. Think about some of these other emerging, mar- emerging markets that don't have the finances for stuff like this. Literacy is huge. It, absolutely. I, I, I huge. agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I'm not going to spend $5,400 just to be able to read Braille. Not going to happen. Sure. You know? Sure. But. And I don't care if it clankety clanks as long as i get braille right well you would though you would if you were in a meeting or something or you know yes you would some some but again place where you know people were being or a quiet. school like a, right, that exactly. would not be but a good that's education where, setting right but that's well yeah where but we look, come back the to alternative that they use in in education settings is oftentimes perkins brailler which oh. is junk, not, junk, junk, not junk. quiet at all oh is that right okay sure. well yeah. fair enough then but that know? comes back to your argument where we need choice we need options yeah you know low end and high end and we've got the high end we've had them for years but I mean, the question has to be, where where is the priority? Like, who who is developed trying to like? Is anybody out there really actively trying to develop a new way of doing Braille that's going to be cheaper? Orbit. Well, oh. they're the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Bristol, Bristol, uh, Bristol Braille. Tech, yeah, they're coming out with a, uh, a multi-line tablet. Yeah, well, that's not going to be cheap. Wasn't there a few years ago? Actually, it's uh, their their proposed price for it isn't that high. Really? Yeah. That's using like the the swell capsule type stuff, isn't it? Mm, I'm it's not, not true pins, I don't think. I'm not sure how they're doing it. Yeah, I don't remember. 
got to try and get them on the show too. Yeah, we should. Uh, Because this is a, it's a fascinating topic. Like, you know, it, it really makes you wonder if they're really thinking outside the box on this or if they're just, you know, they, they just keep hammering away at this old way of doing braille that's just, it's, it's just cost prohibitive to, to a lot of people. Well, and I think, you know, we've talked about it in the past, or Steve and Rick have mentioned it, you know, that the Braille pins that they're using, there's never really been a new innovative technology to replace that technology that has proven and tested itself. Right, exactly. So I don't know what else you could use, you know, there's, there's got to be something out there. Well, and you, it, it, it's got to be only be a matter of time. I mean, we've heard stories about them trying to use uh, haptics. Yeah, and air air capsule. Air capsules. We got a kid building a braille printer out of Lego. That's I right. mean, there's you know there's you know again I I guess what I wonder about these manufacturers is that are they really trying to innovate that particular technology in order to drop the price point, or are they sort of sinking all their development and all their R and D into, like you said, you know, creating new bells and whistles of neat and shiny things that the, the note takers can do, but not really worrying about the, the actual foundational technology. Yeah. You know, I don't, like Dave said, you know, they have to try and look at what the mainstream technology is, is doing and changing, you know, Google. Yeah. We need access to Chrome. We need access to Google docs. Let's include that in our note takers. So you're packing more and more features into these things just so you stay relevant. Um, or people are going to spend $200 and buy a Chromebook. Yeah, you know, and and there's also a part of this where, you know, the disability community in general, they don't want a device, and it's not fair for them to have a device that's, you know, 20 years technologically behind Mm -hmm. something that the person next to them is using because they're, you know, they're blind and this other person's sighted. I mean, that's not fair either. I mean, you know, people with any sort of, uh, you know, physical impairment deserve just as shiny and and you know a device with all the bells and whistles as anybody else does yep i agree well and i think you know dave talked about um the uh the failed prediction my failed prediction that note takers would would be gone by now right (laughs) well we all i me and ryan had that discussion as well yeah and uh um you know i really figured that people would just be pairing portable braille displays to Mm -hmm. off-the-shelf devices you know because you can have much the same functionality. Now, what that doesn't get you, and this is really only important in an education setting, is those those math features that they're that they're building in. Well, a but, twenty hour battery life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, um, and uh, um, you know, maybe maybe there's somebody working out there on an app for that that would that mm-hmm. would close that gap. But uh, you know, the the big advantage to a single unified device is there's one device to charge. That, yep. That's the single right. single biggest advantage to it right there. Also single point of failure. It, that is true. It is the single <laughs> point of failure as well, yeah. But, hmm. um, uh, you know, a, a lot of the things that you can do with these note takers, you can do with a off-the-shelf device paired to a Braille display. Yep. Um, and I don't see... I don't see these advancing anywhere to a point where somebody's going to start saying, hey, you know... The, this is such a better option. You know, I just don't, I don't see it. The, o- the only place that I see a really, really strong market for these is, is education and the people who have traditionally used note takers and want to continue to do so. 
Yeah, you know, I guess the nice thing about having an all-in-one device, though, is, I don't know about you, I personally haven't had a lot of issues with it, but pairing can be a nightmare. Can be. Pairing can be a, a bear. And if you have a single note-taking device, you don't have to worry about that. It's all built in, you know. But like I said, it can also be your single point of failure. And once it goes, now what do you do? You're back to your iPad or Android device or and pairing your Braille display if you have one. Yep. But, I mean, we, we kind of talked about Bluetooth technology a few weeks ago uh, that it's only getting better and better. I yep. mean, more and more you're finding less and less of those pairing nightmares, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. On some devices, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I hate I hate to say it, but I just feel like everybody, all eyes are on this orbit reader. Oh, everybody's and, waiting. And, and you know, people have been waiting over a year. They put deposits down. You know, they got to be angry. Because I've even reached out to orbit, and I've heard nothing back. Well, and it really makes me wonder why that is. I mean, it's got to be, it, it's got to be development issues. They just, they, they haven't got it working yet. Yeah, I don't is, know. Is the only thing that I could think of that, that they would you'd sort of have radio reliably. Sounds. Yeah, because they've had prototypes out there. You know, there are people who have had them in their hands and have used them and played with them. But, but I mean, I guess, you know, the long and the short of it is it's just, it's not, obviously it's not easy to do. It's not easy to take, you know, this, this Braille technology and, and do it differently. Well, there's only so many ways to do it. And uh, there's a lot of patents sitting out there for the different ways to do it as well. So... Um, you know, you've got to, one, come up with something innovative and, and two, make sure you don't run afoul of somebody else's established patents. Hmm. Well, you know what I think? I don't think we're going to solve this problem today, sitting in the guitar dungeon. Probably not. I'm not sure what problems we would be able to solve sitting here in the guitar dungeon. We could probably solve that problem there being too much tequila. <laughs> <laughs> can there ever be too much tequila though yes yes, yes there can, there can. <laughs> okay fair enough you're right you should know that i do know that actually <laughs> tis very true uh hey ryan rob where can people find us dub 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 dot atbanter.com oh i like that Thank you. I like that. Did you just come up with that? No, I heard it on another podcast. <laughs> Did you? Right on. <laughs> and on the goes our tradition of ripping off other podcasts. Absolutely. <laughs> Beware everybody else out there. That's right. Uh, they can also email us if they so desire. Uh, ATBanterPodcast at gmail.com is what you would type into your email client of your choosing. Or you could go over to Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, and you could find us there too. That's right. Just search for AT Banter, all one word, on Facebook. And on Twitter, we are at AT underscore banter. Uh, anything else today, boys? Nope. Stay tuned for next week's show, which is our big annual Halloween theme show. Oh, that's Ooh, right. Scary. I'm, yeah, I'm excited about this. Darn, you know what? If we had, we should have planned this differently. We should, we should have done it this week. Yeah, no, we should have done it at your Halloween party. Oh, well, it'd be well, pretty loud and noisy. Yeah, upstairs. no, it's that's gonna be perfect. Too busy having a Halloween party. Come on, that'd be perfect. Yeah, I mean, we had the anniversary party. Yeah. We were all drunk. Well, we can that be, worked out well. We can be drunk at the Halloween party or all the right. Halloween show. Well, it won't be the same. It's gonna be like a Monday afternoon. <laughs> I guess it'd be all right. Well, do you want to do it Sunday night? 
Well, to, well, yeah, maybe we'll talk. We'll talk. Tuesday. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about it on our Tuesday's right. Halloween. They'll be busy. It's no, going to no be Sunday night, family dinner night. Oh uh, yeah, right, see, so and, and Rick's Rick's not going to be. <laughs> and Rick never wants to drink anyways because he always has to drive. Yeah, it's no fun. We got to get him drunk one of these times. We'll just mix it in with his ginger ale. Or we'll just get Steve. We'll just Steve will just go pick him up. Literally, like just force him out the door. Well, then Steve can't drink. <laughs> then I can't drink. Damn it! We need Uber. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> NDP, bring an Uber or Lyft. Somebody help. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Uh, all right, I have been Robino. You guys are dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ryan Flurry. And I'm Steve Barkley. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in yet again. And we will see you guys next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Okay, so what are we doing right now? Well, when you guys showed up at my house, Steve said I had a parcel. He did. They left it just sitting right at your front door. Right at the front door. Shouldn't have said anything. Should have just taken it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know, Ryan. There's nothing there. So... I've got a parcel right here. What's in the parcel, Ryan? Cardboard box. What's in the box, man? Let's hope hope it's sturdy with you whacking it like that. It's going to be sturdy. Let's hope it's not Gwyneth Paltrow's head. All right, so I'm going to do the play-by-play here. All right, right, so we have a cubic box, which is taped shut. Yes. Ryan is picking at it furiously. It's like Christmas presents. I think he's excited. It's like Christmas. He's got a knife. He is tearing through the cardboard. He's reefing on it. It looks his face is slowly (laughs) turning red (laughs) as he guts his way into this thing. And he's opened the box. There's a white box inside the box. Another box. And the white box inside the box. Another box. Is... Oh, what, what is it? It's, it's, it's a box. Oh, yeah, and there's a, a box. It's a box. Stuff Here, in another box. Look, it's another box. Turn the box around uh, a little bit there. <gasps> it's a Google Home Mini. A Google Home I, Mini. I do feel like I'm 12 at my aunt's place at <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> Just like Christmas. Open it, open it, Ryan. Okay. Uh-oh, I broke oh, it. He's oh, he's tearing into this. dude. See, this is a guy who does not respect packaging no. one iota. You know how much... Why would you respect packaging? Because you got to repackage it and resell it when you, you're oh, sick of it in three days because you've got you. another Google Home Mini. I'll sell it to you at full Yeah, price. well, I want the box. <laughs> I want the box. <laughs> he's got to discount it now. <laughs> That's right. He's, he's, he's being frustrated by the inner box it's now. Stymied. He's, he's, it's stymied. It's stopped him cold. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It is mighty. Oh, no, it's not. It's Uh-oh. not that mighty. It is being shredded as we speak. Oh, okay, shred yeah, the just, box, just shred the box. he's like a human hamster, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a box inside another box. Okay, <gasps> look at that. Oh, that is small. There is a cute little.
puck-sized object in his hand. Is that puck-sized? It's like a donut. Is that regulation puck? Yeah, it's kind of like a big donut. It's like a powdered donut. Nice, nice powdered donut. It's got a jack on the back. Don't eat it. Button on the side. Look at that. One button and a jack. So wait, where and where's the button? The button's on the on the side here. I think that's the mute button. Right. And then I think if you can, you tap the sides, you can turn the volume up and down from what I've read. Really? The only thing I was disappointed in is I recall at IO, or not IO, the Google event we did. Yeah. That they had mentioned there was a head for an audio out jack. It looks like... I, uh, there isn't. Really? From everything I've read and reviews I've, I've looked at. Wait, can you fork it over? There's no audio jack. I think that's the power jack. Which really frustrated it's, me a bit yeah, when I read a, that. because it's a mini USB, all right. Yeah, no, I was, you're right. I was sure they said there was an audio jack. Huh. That was one of the main reasons I had bought one, because then I could hook it directly into the mixer. Did but they not say that it was also the top was also fabric? I don't remember. The top is fabric. I, that's not the type of fabric I, th- I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah it's not, not like very... a cloth fabric. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like the jackets. It's, it's a tactile, like an electric... Yeah, I thought the whole kind of, I kind of thought the whole unit was kind of going to be fabric, but fair enough. All right, and what what did this thing run? Uh, seventy dollars Canadian, eighty eight including tax. Hmm, interesting. And where'd you get it? I got it from the Google Store. Nice. And how long did it take you to get? Mm, week and a half. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. You can put, you know probably just go into Best Buy and pick one up today. Right, yeah, I'm sure you. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're in stock now. So what's what are the limitations of this little baby? What what can't it do that a Google Home full can do? I don't think it has any limitations. Is that right? I don't so it's so. just a just a cheap ass. Yep, it's competing with the Amazon Echo Dot. Hmm. Which I think is like fifty bucks, but has an audio out jack. Interesting. It is. So what are you going to do with it? I'm going to plug it in and I'm going to play with it and I'm going to stroke it and rub it and pat it and love it. Okay, I- Google, <laughs> get the f*** out. You're done. Your replacement's here. No, one of them's probably going to go in my... One of them's... One well, of them- too bad, it's baby. It's hard to understand when you've been replaced. <laughs> one of them's going to go in my bedroom, I think. That was a terrible catch. It was. Wasn't a great toss either. Ah well. Uh huh. So that's my unboxing. Well, that was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, we, very that's exciting. gold. We're it gonna, was exciting. We'll definitely use that as a part of the bonus materials of our next anniversary show. I'm sure. 